Welcome to the Big Unlock Podcast, your leading source of info for insights and best practices in digital health and digital transformation. Join host Patty Padmanabong, CEO of Demo Consulting and co-author of Healthcare Digital Transformation, how technology, consumerism, and pandemic are accelerating the future in conversation with leading practitioners of healthcare and technology. Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to my podcast. It is my great privilege and honor to introduce my special guest today, Anish Sebastian, co-founder and CEO of BabyScripts. Anish, pleasure to have you on the show and welcome. Thank you for having me. Really excited to be on the show and uh, looking forward to the conversation we're going to have. Awesome. Why don't we start by uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came about starting BabyScripts. Yeah, we started Baby Scripts. Actually, it's been a little bit. We're not the, the newest kids on the block. It's been about six or seven years now. And really, I mean, I think our goal from day one was to improve the provider-patient connection. Uh, that, that was very, very important to us. A lot of this was sort of driven by some of our own personal sort of stories. I'm a twin by birth, or I guess I have a twin when I was born, right? And and twins are a lot of fun, but people might not know this. They're also high-risk pregnancy. And, you know, I was also not born in the United States. I was born in India, actually. You know, in talking to both my family and just learning my own kind of birth story, it turns out that, you know, in several places in the United States, your probability of having a bad outcome is, is higher than, you know, in places in other countries, right, that are not as advanced, right? So that started a whole kind of confluence, a whole journey, and ultimately, that's what led to the creation of Baby Scripts. And you know, as, as a company, we, we have one and only one mission, vision, and focus, which is better pregnancies. That's literally our, our, our mission statement, trying to improve the status quo of, of pregnancy care in the United States. That's a really interesting origin story. And again, you know, I was born and raised in India as well. And I like to say that you know, birth is basically a lottery, right? In many ways, where you're born who you're born to, how you come out as a kid, you know, whether you're normal and healthy or whether you come up with, you know, complications. There's so much that is kind of left to chance. And there's, there are some things that you can control and influence. And, and I know that you've got, you know, as a part of your mission, you're trying to uh, address uh, preterm pregnancies and maternal health and so on. So tell us a little bit, you know, I know you've been around now uh, for six or seven years since you started, maybe a little longer Tell us what are some of the important milestones you've hit? What do you consider as some of the milestones you've hit as a company? And, and more recently, tell us how the pandemic has impacted your business as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. Let me just sort of expand one thing that you said that kind of struck with me, which is birth being a lottery. I totally agree with that. One of the variables that go into it, unfortunately, is, is zip code. We started the company in, in Washington, D.C., and you know, you could be literally a few miles apart in a slightly different zip code, and your probability of having a good outcome versus a bad outcome changes dramatically, right? There's all kinds of issues with access to care, health equities that kind of play into it. But, you know, I think really sort of at this most central level, what we wanted to do was try and improve access to care. And that, that's what this all came down to. And we do this through the use of mobile and digital tools and internet-connected devices. This, of course, sort of takes different shapes and forms. We have modules for low-risk pregnancies, high-risk pregnancies, 
specific disease states like hypertension management, postpartum care management, mental health management, all kinds of stuff. But the heart of it is, hey, like how can we make care as readily accessible as possible for as many moms as possible, right? Because we believe that if you can improve the access to care situation, a lot of other things will, will follow through as a result of it, right? And, and, and hoping that technology can be a component of it. Last point around pandemic, you know, I think it's, it's an interesting kind of dynamic there, right? Because obviously sort of the headline is the pandemic improved telemedicine, digital health for everywhere in healthcare, right? But interestingly for pregnancy, it was very unique in that it's not an elective procedure. You can't push it off. You know, back in 2020, when everything was shut down, you could push off a, a knee replacement or something that was like truly elective, right? Pregnancy, you couldn't. You were going to have an outcome one way or another. So that fueled by the fact that, generally speaking, the users here, right, are moms between the ages of 18 and 35, right? A very young, technology-friendly, digital native population. I mean, that was like kind of the alchemy that just fueled digital health adoption and prenatal postpartum, right? So yeah, I mean, much like a lot of the digital health companies, our growth was pretty dramatic during that time period. Practices, both our customers and other practices out there were thinking about going virtual digital very quickly in a matter of weeks. And we enabled that. So I mean, I think it was sort of a watershed moment. We saw what would normally take 10 years worth of innovation happen in one, right? That type of thing. And it continues today. We, We still see a lot of demand for it. I mean, things are starting to sort of come back to some semblance of the new normal, right? But there's still a lot of demand out there. Yeah. Before we actually jump into your business itself, there's a question that I'm sure you get from others. You and your co-founder are men in a women's health business. Does anyone ever ask you about that? Yeah. I mean, that's the that's the running running joke or the running kind of you know sentence on all things baby scripts. You know, why did two bachelors start a pregnancy company? And, you know, I think a couple of things, right? When we started, this was an area that was significantly, was not getting the attention that it, that it deserved, right? You know, I like to kind of point out to the fact that if you compare the statistics of what's happening in, in outcomes uh, in, in maternity and strip the maternity element of it, it would become a national crisis because it's very similar to what we're seeing in mental health. It's a, a very similar to what we're seeing around diabetes or other chronic care management stuff, Right. So for us, this was just from a business standpoint, an incredible opportunity, but it goes beyond that, right? I'll share with you sort of my kind of background a little bit around, you know, how I learned about my own birth story. And again, just, just learning that, or learning about that from my mom, a co-founder, you know, um, his, his mother went through, you know, several miscarriages and there's all kinds of kind of history there, right? This all came full circle, as I'd mentioned that we're a little older as a company, and last year I had a baby. Well, I didn't have a baby, but we had a baby, right? My wife did. And I saw firsthand going through the pregnancy, prenatal and postpartum episode during COVID. And it just added another layer of just that there's so much. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's kind of the heart of it, right? We're a mission driven company trying to improve the status quo. So who are you actually? What kind of demographic do you mainly serve? Are you looking at a particular demographic or is it kind of across the board? And leading from that, who are your customers? Who's paying for this? Is it plans? Is it providers? Is it employers? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So as far as our, our users, right, the first level of segmentation is, is pregnant mothers, right, or postpartum mothers. Our product goes 
the first year after the mom delivers the baby. We think it's an important time period. So that's the the user there, right? We actually have a lot of focus now on moms that are Medicaid. In the United States, there's a significant portion between 45 and 50% of pregnancies are Medicaid pregnancies. That's a big, big number. So that's, that's, a, that's a big focus area for us. And that comes with its own intricacies and challenges and so on and so forth. But that's, that's sort of what we hone in on. So we have one of the, we, we have a benefit or in some ways a luxury of knowing exactly who our user base is, right? In that sense. As far as sort of who, who, who's our customer, we're not a direct-to-consumer company. We knew that from day one. And to this day, that's all true. So we started working with providers. Uh, we started partnering and selling into healthcare systems, hospital systems, so on and so forth. And that to this day is a major, major source of our you know, customer base, our partner base. You know, over the last year or two, we have expanded and now start to work. Now we started working plans, particularly managed Medicaid plans, because I think there's a, there's a lot of you know intricacies of how we've done our deployments that enable payers uh, ultimately the value of the work that we're doing. Right. All of this also has been kind of you know compounded by the fact that you know reimbursement policies and you know rules and regulations are also changing. Right. So that that opens up more business models for us. Yeah, and of course in healthcare. You always have to follow the money. There's you know, all kinds of combinations of reimbursement, value-based care, capitated models, uh, managed Medicaid, et cetera, et cetera, that you talk about. And that's a whole topic in and of itself, but one that is very intimately correlated to the success or failure of any business in the digital health space today, especially one that has to somehow justify an ROI of some kind. So we're in the era of data-enabled approaches to care. I've had other guests on my podcast who come from businesses that are essentially analytics businesses. And they, you know, they've either built analytics platforms or they're focused on a product or a service around an analytical capability. In fact, one of them who came on had developed algorithms and models for a patient population that was kind of very similar to your demographic in another part of the country, a Medicaid population, low-income populations, younger mothers at risk, and they've identified social determinants such as nutrition and so on and so forth. So I have to believe that the analytics piece is an important part of your platform and product. Tell us how you've structured your platform. What are the big elements of your platform that go towards providing this comprehensive care, you know, postpartum, prenatal, and so on? How do you approach it? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good question. And it, it's sort of a, a layered approach, right? At the starting point, at a very basic level, you can think about our platform as enabling remote or virtual maternity care. So what that involves, this is a starting point, is engaging mom, educating moms as they're going to that pregnancy journey. So our mobile app is a great place for moms to learn about their pregnancy, right? Whether it's how much coffee can I drink? When can I travel? What floor is the labor and delivery you know, floor again at the hospital, right? Very, very specific provider-based their training and, and education all can be customized, right? That's the first tier. Of course, in, and then all, all the remote monitoring, right? When to monitor blood pressure, so on and so forth. In doing that, we're also collecting important data points as, as the mom's going through the pregnancy. So the, the second piece of it is data insights and data analytics, right? So, you know, it's, it's one thing to say, I'm just collecting blood pressure on a weekly basis. It's a very different thing to say, hey, this blood pressure and these symptoms associated with this blood pressure might put you at a higher risk for preeclampsia after a certain gestational age. And hey, doc, nurse, perhaps look at this, right? 
So those are two, two very different kind of, you know, layers, right? So obviously that second piece is ultimately what makes us unique. It gives us a lot of leverage. And yeah, so it starts with that mobile engagement layer. And then we build on top of that through looking at data, data analytics, data insights, you know, so on and so forth. And, you know, helping providers sort of, you know, keep that efficiency going, right? Let's take a quick break. And I'd like to acknowledge our partners and sponsors, Be Well. And if you like this podcast, rate us on whatever favorite podcast platform you're listening on. And if you're interested in listening to the archives, visit us at thebigunlock.com. With that, back to the conversation. What are the big challenges you face when you're actually gathering the data? Gathering data from remote devices, a plethora of devices from different manufacturers, no two blood pressure cups are the same, no two glucometers are the same, et cetera, et cetera. Can you talk us through what are some of the big challenges you encounter when you're aggregating the data from a large population and uh, trying to make sense of it? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the benefits that we do have here is we look at the the episode of pregnancy, right? And that allows us to limit what data points and devices we allow and don't allow, right? So blood pressure, it's it's one of the most important data points during pregnancy. We did a clinical validation study around, hey, these devices are valid and okay. These are not, right? So, you know, so we do that kind of data digging and gathering and validated, right? So it's all about sort of narrowing the scope of what we can work with because it's it's helping that whole journey and the whole process. That's one piece of it. And then the other piece of it is what insights are valuable and what insights are actionable, right? Like, and that's a whole another game just because someone within the app clicked on a resource relating to prenatal genetic testing might not necessarily correlate to some higher risk, right? And that gets a little bit trickier. Um, there's a lot more work involved there. And that's a, you know, it's a little bit of a slower sort of haul, right? It's way easier to just follow clinically established guidelines around, you know, triggers and so on and so forth, as opposed to de novo, something that's net new, right? So, so those are the same things we think about as we develop our product platform. And the final mile, if you will, is actually inserting it back into the clinical workflow, which means electronic health record systems, uh, whatever app or device or interface that a clinician is using. How do you accomplish that? Is, is, is your product or solution kind of embedded in a clinical workflow? Is it a separate standalone app? You know, talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, no, this is super important. I think ultimately at the end of the day, we've just come to the conclusion that our ability to scale is almost entirely reliant reliant on our ability to embed ourselves into clinical workflows, both technical and non-technical workflows. So that leads us to sort of think about integrations first as we develop product, right? So, you know, we, yeah, we do do a lot of integrations, all the big EMRs third-party vendors, other, you know, other systems, whether it's through APIs or other modalities. And we, we're continuing to invest pretty heavily on integrations as a core sort of foundational product pillar. And I think the general sort of digital health ecosystem is also maturing when it comes to this. We're seeing all kinds of toolkits, toolboxes, third-party marketplaces, so on and so forth. So it's kind of a kitchen sink strategy. At the end of the day, this has to be minimally workflow intrusive for us to scale, right? So that's a significant portion of the work that we do. Yeah, and, and interoperability is unfinished business, work in progress. What's Will it ever qu- be finished? You know, that's <laughs> the real question. Yeah, so. Is it getting better though, is my question. I think so. And it's getting better for a couple of reasons, right? Number one is standards are forming, right? That's a good thing. Fire is a good example. Smart on fire is a good example, right? 
Second is, you know, I think CIOs at hospital systems or a significant portion of them are recognizing that, hey, I, I need to find the enterprise architecture that's going to optimize for patient quality, safety, experience, cost, outcomes, all the kind of stuff, right? So they're investing in these middle middleware tiers, right? So, and third is, is not to not to point all arrows back at COVID, but that train's leaving the station, right? So it, it's sort of forcing health systems to make that appropriate decision, right? So I think it's getting better. It's obviously slow and you know crawling pace, but it's definitely getting better. Like if I, if I compare it to like four years ago and now, it's an order of magnitude better, I'd say. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, just a, a quick aside, we look at uh, digital maturity of health systems and we have a four-stage maturity model that we use in our company. One of the things we look for is how are health systems kind of getting out of the mindset of EHR is everything, sort of an approach to an approach that says, well, there's best-in-class tools and solutions out there that are not necessarily part of the native EHR capability. Now, how do we go about evaluating them and how do we go about embedding them into our digital strategy. And one of the big factors there is really out-of-the-box integration. And so you're right to be thinking about that as a core competency because, quite frankly, it might also become table stakes beyond being just a differentiator in the months and years to come. So let me switch gears here and ask you this all-important question. You know, selling into health systems, healthcare is notoriously slow and hard to sell into, but this is not some wisdom from the ages. I mean, it is public knowledge, right? It's very, very difficult. So what is the hardest part for you as a startup with an innovative solution, but also one that is not a part of the core technology and applications infrastructure of a health system today? Yeah, I mean, I think I think this goes to a, a couple of things. We, we decided pretty early on that the road less traveled was the path for us, right? And, you know, I think we got a lot of questions and, quite frankly, criticisms, right? Particularly from you know venture capitals out there, other investors around. Hey, like you're you're selling to providers. I'm out. You know, literally got that right. So so we had to stay focused and say, you know what, like it's a long haul, and we have to be patient around it. And the reason again is is we started with that premise of number one, better pregnancies, and uh, very much related to that is the provider patient relationship. Right. If we break that and go independent of that, we lose our ability to make the impact we want, right? So that in itself is a very helpful sub distinction. So which basically decided, hey, like, it's going to be tough. We're going to have a lot of battle wounds, a lot of scars. We'll get through it. That's important. The second is in the early days, we had to go and, and find the innovative CIO, CTOs, and leaders out there that we're thinking about where the puck's going to be, not where the puck is, right? And that meant being kind of pretty shrewd as to who you're going to work with. And that was also pretty helpful, right? And now it's all about sort of like, you know, kind of making sure we're understanding what are the things we can do to move to the next goalpost or milestone, right? We talked about integration. We like to work that into the contract very early on. We talked about clinical buy-in. We talked about the CFO's buy-in, right? All these little pieces that are important you know, buying, getting all that in, right? So, so yeah, so I think now, now it's all about sort of methods, protocols, processes that will allow us to scale. Right? Yeah. So uh, let's talk about the competitive landscape for digital health today. So you've got the EHR vendors who are trying to be digital health companies as well. You've got the big tech firms moving into the space. At least one of them, Amazon, has gone directly into the healthcare services space, just kind of crossing the Rubicon in some ways. And then you have these thousands of digital health startups 
And I know you're in a kind of a unique niche space here. What's your take on the digital health solutions landscape? First and foremost, all my clients, everyone that I know in the healthcare organizations, they say it's confusing. They find it very hard to parse through the choices that they have, not to mention the fact that it's very, very difficult to evaluate you know, which ones are real, and which ones are not, so on and so forth. So what do you make of the current landscape? What is your, let me jump straight in. What has been your one or two experiences in the last several years? And what would you advise someone who's, beginning, who's, who's looking at starting a digital health company today? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's definitely very confusing. It's a very chaotic marketplace. And yeah, you can get lost in the crowd out there, right? It seems like every other day I'm seeing a, a new digital health vendor or a product or platform. I mean, I think, you know, like one thing that I would say, and we do this, is know what your message is out there, right? For us, it's to be the world's best when it comes to virtual maternity care. That is the towering competence that we put all of our eggs in. And our hope is to convince decision makers out there that as you're thinking about the digital transformation for your organization, we are going to play a very valuable role in it. And we do one thing, we'll be really, really good at it and, and make sure we can demonstrate results uh, for you and for the rest of the organization on it, right? So that, that's sort of our message that we like to kind of relay out there. But listen, I mean, it's, it's super crowded, right? I think we think about sort of two things. Number one, what are megaphones out there that can amplify our message, right? That's an important kind of question. And the other piece of it also is that, you know, from a, from a contracting and, and risk management standpoint, 150 companies, you know, trying to do one-off enterprise contracts with the health system, you know, it can get a little... Uh, and by the way, on this one, there's no real sort of solution out there yet. At least I haven't seen any. Is, you know, are there channels forming in digital health? I haven't seen one that's like truly successful, but I think... I think that's the natural evolution, right? What are channels that are going to come up? And and yeah, I mean, if, as, as they mature, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely want to kind of plug and play into those. One oh. of which is, I was going to say, the last thing here is marketplaces. That's a channel, right? So we're looking at those pretty pretty seriously. We're already in some of them, but um, but that's an important kind of evolution here. Yeah. But here's to your thoughts. Well, you know, uh, we can certainly talk about, I'm just happy to share a couple of thoughts uh, I think we, we're not yet in a place where we have the GPOs or their equivalent for digital health, but there are companies out there that are trying to aggregate uh, digital health solutions and create digital formularies and things like that. Your, the marketplaces, the digital formularies, you know, there's, there's several experiments. So again, if there is one thing that is true about the digital health marketplace today, it's fragmentation. And fragmentation is a two-sided coin, right? On the one hand, it can be very challenging to stand out in a crowd in a highly fragmented market and to get the attention of uh, your buyer. But on the other hand, it's also an opportunity because you know you have infinite channels and approaches available to you. Again, for every organization, it's going to be different, and there's there's a lot of serendipity involved in <laughs> in many of these things. And so, again, those are uh, those are some learnings that I've had as an entrepreneur. But I love you know before we close out, I'd love to ask you what are the one or two things that You've learned as an entrepreneur over the last six or seven years. And by the way, you know, I compliment you for the success that you've had, despite all the things that you said and all the challenges you talked about, you have had some significant accomplishments and, and you're beginning to see the, the validation of that in terms of the funding rounds that you're able to raise and so on and so forth. So for the benefit of our listeners, especially your peers, your compadres or other digital health founders or would-be digital health founders, what are the one or two things that you've learned? It's a good question. I certainly don't think I have all the answers here, but a couple of things that I'd, I'd point to is, is 
Yeah, number one is focus. Focus is super important. It's easy to go after the big, hairy, you know, trillion dollar, I'll do everything for everyone, right? You know, I always look at Google, Microsoft, Amazon. I mean, all of the companies that are literally trillion dollars in market caps are close to it, right? They've tried and failed, right? So, you know, the fact that they haven't been able to figure it out, you know, what, what are the chances that the rebellion, you know, for a small group of people can't, right? So have focus, right? And number two is, you know, I think you have to recognize that healthcare is messy, complicated, slow moving, human, right? And I don't know, you just have to like have that empathy, you know? When I see, when I talk to our clients, or customers, nurses, doctors, professionals in the healthcare, you know, I think we just sort of have a conversation around, hey, like this is, this is tough stuff, you know, change management in healthcare, one of the most tricky things out there, right? So, you know, it's that symbol, it's that kind of symbol of we're locking arms. I'm not just going to sell you something and walk out of this, yeah. right? Like that's super important. And um, yeah, I mean, th- those two things are super important. And then, you know, with investors and funding and stuff like that, I think it's super important also just to just pick and choose your investors, right? Like there are certain profiles of investors that are looking for kind of a pattern, right? And it's unlikely in healthcare, you're going to see like patterns. And really, I'm talking about just, you know, unbelievable sort of unicorn-like growth and still keeping kind of margins where you want them to be, right? So I think you just be cautious as to who you put on your board, the investors that you pick. And fortunately, we have an incredible group of investors um, that are so supportive of what we do. And that's, I'm very thankful for that, you know? So, so I think those few things are things to look out for. It's a long haul. You know, you gotta, you gotta take that, the road less traveled. That's, that's when, you know, our calling card. That's, that's well said. Well, we're almost at time here. And before we close out, uh, on a personal note, what do you do in your spare time? I'm, I'm assuming you do have some spare time. Yeah, yeah. What little spare time I have. Well, I'm a new dad, so that takes up a lot of my time. But I guess I'll close by saying my New Year's resolution this year is to read, on average, a book a week. So that is taking up a lot of my time. So I have to get to 50. I'm on, I'm on track. I'm at about five right now. You know, So in February, I'm on track. So we'll see how it lands. But uh, yeah, reading. In reality, it's listening at 2x the speed. That's what it really is. But that takes up... I love reading. I think it gives me a lot of joy. So that definitely takes up a lot of my time. Well, how about we connect on Goodreads so I can follow what you're reading and maybe get some book ideas from there? Ah, and same thing. Well, if, you, if you got something that's interesting, shoot it my way, you know? So. Well, Anish, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you. I want to close out by saying, first of all, congratulations on all of your accomplishments to date. I know it's a long road ahead and I wish you and your team all the very best. Awesome. Thank you for having me and appreciate the talk, man. It was good. Once again, I'd like to thank our partners, Bewell, for their sponsorship and their support. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. We invite you to subscribe to our weekly newsletter, The Healthcare Digital Transformation Leader. Write to us at info at with your feedback and questions. 